Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The idea is a doulos. In the, in the Greek, it, it literally means someone who is devoted to another to the disregard of his own interests. He is a bond servant. No longer my will, but your will, Lord. And you know, when you look at some of the epistles of Paul and James and Peter and Jude, they all start their letters like this. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob finalizes our study in chapter 15 of the book of Deuteronomy, which reviews God's instruction on the seventh year. One of the elements of this final teaching is the release of a servant that has served his master for six years. Pastor Rob teaches that some who owed debt to others chose to work for who they owed as a servant until their debt was paid. The Jews were instructed by God to release these servants on the seventh year. Some chose to stay servants as they became very close to their masters. Thus, bond servants were developed. As followers of Jesus Christ, we too are bond servants to Him who is our Lord and Savior. Here's Pastor Rob with today's teaching. I was going to give him and the chips and the Coke. He would have gladly have taken it, but he was an alcoholic. He was using it for drugs and alcohol. Wisen me up, right? So it's hard in this environment sometimes to know you've got to be led by the Spirit whenever you're giving to a poor person. Am I enabling this person to continue what they're doing? Think about it. If you really want to help them, if they really did run out of gas, take their, follow them down to the gas station and physically pay for the gas that you put in their car. And is it really full? Or is it really empty? You know? Be assertive and be wise, right? Because helping somebody is good, but you want to help them the right way. You really want to help them. You don't want to enable them and continue them going on in that whole thing. He said, verse 9, Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. You know, basically, by saying this, it would be an excuse for them to not lend to him because he would also benefit in the year of release, right? The thought is, why lend to him when, when he shall be delivered from the debt in a few months or a few weeks? It's easy to harden our hearts against something, somebody like that, and this was happening too, and God was warning against it. Verse 10, it says, You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because of this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all of your works and in all 
to which you put your hand. Notice that. If you just do these things, I'm going to bless you. It requires faith, doesn't it? Because if you're a giver, God is going to supply your need. It's not this funny business that we see on television with these televangelists saying, well, if you give a seed gift of $10,000 and you write that check right now, God's going to give you $100,000 this week. This week. Amen. (laughs) Right? I mean, can God do that? Sure, he can. Right? He can. But you have to be discerning. Give in the right way. Be spirit-led in your giving. Think about what you're doing. Pray about what you're doing. Don't just give to give because sometimes you giving can actually create more problems for somebody than being a real blessing. You've got to be discerning about how you give and what you give. Amen? In Acts chapter 20, as Paul was talking to the Ephesian elders before his departure, he says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And it's hard sometimes to receive. We were just talking about this uh, uh, recently with someone, and, and I, um, you know, it is, it's hard sometimes to receive. It's, it's easier to give. But, you know, you have to be on the receiving end, too, for someone else to be blessed. Because if you always stop the dam in front of you and say, I will not receive, I'm too proud to receive anything, but I'll gladly give, God is saying, you're, you're half wrong. Because <laughs> you need to be able to do both graciously. And I tell you what, there's nothing more powerful than to see a Christian, whoever, any of us, that can give simply, and we can receive simply. And I'm learning that lesson still. But it's important that we do that. Gladly give, gladly receive. Not, not, for, not for any weirdness, just because, you know, like, that person gets blessed. I get blessed. Do you see how that is just reciprocal? Isn't that the way the Lord is? He has everything. He gives to us, and all we have to do is respond to him. That's what worship is. It's responding to what he's already done for us. I can't do anything for him. He's given me everything. Always has and always will. And yet he gets blessed when I simply respond in faith and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. I tell you, to, to, uh, for a, a Veggie Tales thing, a happy heart is a thankful heart. Is that right? Madam Blueberry, anybody see that one? Raise your hand. Some parents here who've seen that? Yeah. A thankful heart is a happy heart. Something like that. But the idea is true. Verse 11, for the poor will never cease from your land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall open your whole hand wide to your brother and to your poor and your needy in the land. Hmm. Let's go on here. Verse 12, if your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. This is the, 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 the Sabbath for a servant. They serve you six years, and if he's a Hebrew, you let him go at the seventh year. And when you send, send him away from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. For what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. You shall give to him. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. We need to remember that. For anyone who has a debt, we are a servant to the lender. In a sense, we're all servants, if you think of it. 
In Proverbs, it says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Or servant to the lender. And you know, when you think about this in the Hebrew culture, some, uh, not all slavery is bad. And this is going to sound really weird because we live in America, and we know that some of the things that happened early in our country's history were despicable. They were horrible. They were atrocious. They were rotten. Right? Horrible things. People who owned slaves from Africa or, or from other places, they treated them cruelly. Not all of them treated them cruelly, but we have a dark stain in our history, right? But for the Hebrew, for, the, for, for, for a Jewish man, if he had a debt to pay and he couldn't pay it, he worked it off. He wasn't treated poorly. He just worked for whoever it is that lent him the, whatever it was, and he's got to pay back. Right? Think about how it would be if all of a sudden, I mean, they didn't have banks back in those days like we, we do now. What would happen, you know, if the bank, all of a sudden, they said, to, uh, we don't really want your money, but what we'd like for you to do, we own a lot of land. We'd like for you, instead of just paying your payment every week for the next uh, two years, we just want you, because you owe us, and you're our servant, we would just like you to till that land with a group of people, just get out the, you know, the plows and, and get, get the oxen and rig them up and, and go that and do that whole thing. I mean, think about how differently we would think about it. <laughs> We're servants. We're servants to those who have lent us. So it doesn't have to be negative. In this culture, it wasn't a negative thing, especially if the hearts were right. And if it happens that he says to you, the servant, I will not go away from you because he loves you and your house since he prospers with you, then you shall take an awl and thrust it through his ear and to the door, and you shall, and he shall be your servant forever. Also to your female servants you shall do likewise. Notice that this is what a bondservant is in the New Testament. A bondservant. That's why uh, I asked Chris to sing that song that we, we sung uh, this evening, the servant song. The idea is a doulos. In the, in the Greek, it, it literally means someone who is devoted to another to the disregard of his own interests. He is a bond servant. No longer my will, but your will, Lord. And you know, when you look at some of the epistles of Paul and James and Peter and Jude, they all start their letters like this. Paul a bondservant of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 1, he says it. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, he says it. In Titus 1, verse 1, he says it. James, in his epistle, when we first started James, remember on Sunday mornings, James, a bondservant of Christ. James 1, verse 1. Peter, in his epistle, in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, a bondslave, a doulos of Christ. I'm no longer, uh, I'm devoted to the, to the disregard of my own interests into the interests of God. And Jude, the other half-brother of Jesus, Jude 1, verse 1, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. In Exodus chapter 21, it says this, speaking of this very thing, Now these are the judgments which ye shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free and pay nothing. And if he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife, and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master and my wife and my children, I will not go out free, then this master shall bring him to the judges, and he shall also bring him to the door 
to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, a sharp, very sharp instrument, a punch in a sense, and he shall serve him forever. What is the significance of the door and the wood and the piercing and the ear? It's very clear if we know the gospel, right? We look at the door. Jesus said, I am the door. The door gets you from some place to another place. Jesus says, I am the door of the, sh- I am the, door of the sheep. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no one, no one can reach the Father except through me. So he is the door that we have to get through. So here we can see that Jesus, even in this Old Testament, you can find it on every page. You can find references of Christ and his character, his, his mission, if you will, his desire, his heart is all over the Old Testament. And we're reading about it right now. What about the piercing against the wood, against the door? Well, we know that because he was pierced on wood. On a tree with Roman nails thrusting through him, piercing him, upholding him, sticking him to the tree, piercing him. The blood would also signify the Passover lamb as they would take that lamb's blood on the hyssop and they would strike the lentil of the doorpost before they left that night for, you know, out of Egypt. They would strike it there on the top and then on the sides, forming a cross. We know this. The piercing and the ear. What is the ear? An ear is meant to hear. But not just to listen to anything, but hear with the intent of doing something about it. To be obedient. And Jesus is obedient. He always did those things that please the Father. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, there it is, of a doulos, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the, to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And what's the result of that? Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. I love in the Psalms where it says, where David, under the influence of the Spirit of God, says, Thy word, uh, your word is above all of your name. Your word is above all of your name. Is the word Jehovah significant to you? It was so significant that the Jews wouldn't even pronounce it. They wouldn't even pronounce Jehovah. They would only have vowels or, or consonants. Y-H-W-H, and they wouldn't even say his name because it was so meaningful to them. It was so holy to him. Wow, what reverence. (laughs) You know, I wonder, Lord, have I lost some of that reverence in my own life? Do I see you more as a friend? No, Jesus is all those things. Don't get me wrong. He is your friend. Is he he your buddy? (laughs) I mean, he can be a buddy to you, but never forget that he is almighty God. And the gulf between us was so incredibly insane. It was insanity. The gulf between us and a holy God. But Jesus, he humbled himself. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, those in the grave, even those in Hades, he's Lord of all. The wicked dead who are in that place right now, waiting their final judgment. He is Lord over them as well. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. 
And notice what it says in verse 18. It shall not seem hard to you when you send him away from free from you, for he has been worth a double hired servant in serving you six years. Then, notice, there's a conditional, isn't there? Then the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do. So all of these things, you know, being kind to servants, giving the land a rest, giving the servants a rest, restoring lands that you're really just renting them, it, it propagates this whole idea that God had a special people for himself. He had a special plan for them. He still does. He's not done with them. He's got a wonderful plan for them. And they've maintained their identity for so long because they adhered to these things, even though they warbled and, and uh, flipped around a little bit, or quite a bit, but they, they stuck true. You know, if there's one group of people that I know on this earth that are tenacious, that have gone through such hell, it's the Jews. They are fighters. Have you ever tried to witness to a, a, a Jew who really knows who they are and, 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 all, and their whole history? Let me tell you, you're up against somebody who is tough as nails. <laughs> they are tough as nails, but not tougher than God, not tougher than their Yeshua who loves them, right? And so, We should pray for them always, of course. But let this be an encouragement to you, and let it be a challenge too. But also let it be, let God give you discernment, you know, to be givers, to be receivers. And you know, as God was doing this work in the Jewish people, he was really encouraging them, trying to formulate within their own heart this dependence upon him not on their things, but to give them a dependence on him and to trust him. Doesn't it honor the Lord when we honor him, when we trust him? When we come to the end of ourselves and we say, Lord, I can't fathom this, I can't figure this out. But to come to him with humility and brokenness and say, Lord, I need your help. I need your help. Lord, help me not to be stingy. Help me not to be so tight-fisted that all the resources in my life are just, they're held on for dear life because I'm looking at the stock market and, boy, I don't like what's happening. I'm looking around in America and I don't like what's happening. And the, the more things start rattling our cages, what is the natural inclination? Hold on tighter. Grab this, grab that. Start stockpiling. You ever seen some people like that? They, they start losing touch. My mom was, uh, she's a retired police officer, and my brother's still on the force. He's a major down in uh, Lee County, Florida. And they've told me, told me countless stories of going into some of somebody's house, and they've just, there's one pathway through their house, a single pathway. You have to walk almost sideways because all everywhere is stockpiled everything. Toilet paper, newspapers, magazines, all kinds of things. But the Lord wants to bless. He wants to bless you. So will you allow yourself to be blessed by God? Will you listen to him? You know, as we read these things, you know, don't, let, don't just let it go in one ear and out the other. You know, think about, I mean, obviously these things are for the Jews, but there are things that we can learn here too about helping and being a blessing to others and to take a rest. It's good for us. Even though it was to the Jew, there's a lot of these principles that if we put into practice ourselves, we'd be better for it in many ways.
But folks, take time to rest. You remember when Pastor Jeff first left, one of the first things I shared was about Mary and Martha. Because I sensed in myself and I sensed in our culture and even in the church, we're running at breakneck speed. We got so many tasks and to-do lists that we don't feel a sense of accomplishment as Americans unless we execute those check boxes every day. And we were like that, that hamster rolling around in the cage, getting nowhere but accomplishing the tasks. And meanwhile, our relationship with the Lord is just going. And he's like, will you come back? See, Mary knew that. Mary knew that. She stood at the, at, at the feet of Jesus to hear him. And Jesus loved Martha. He loved her just as much. But Martha was occupied with many things, so distracted. And we are like that. The Christian church in America, we are like Martha much of the time. But I want to encourage you to turn that table and be more like a Mary. Let's learn to be like a Mary in this fellowship. Because, you know, when your life starts to, when you start to take that and you start to be a Mary in a world full of Marthas, they are going to look at your life and say, why do you have that silly look on your face? Why are you so pieced out? (laughs) Where do you find that peace? Because I certainly don't have it. I'm running ragged, and I feel like at the end of the day, I've gotten nowhere. I feel more guilty than the day before, and I executed the list perfectly. Why aren't I feeling fulfilled? It's because your fulfillment, you're trying to find fulfillment in all the wrong things. Spend time alone with God. You're going to have to fight for it, and I would encourage you to fight for it. Don't let it go. Fight for it every single day. Fight for it. No one will give it to you. You have to fight for it. Purposely fight for it. Tell your family, husbands and wives, take turns. When the husband comes home from work, say, Honey, after dinner, I want to spend, I want to go in for 45 minutes, half hour, whatever it is. I want to go and I want to be alone with the Lord. Dad, you do, you do that, and then when she comes out, you tag team, and you go up, and you get alone with the Lord. You're going to be much better for it. Your kids are going to see a, a whole different dynamic about your life. They're going to see parents who know what the priority is. They're going to see peace. God will give you the peace. It's going to spread all over them. They're going to see it. They're going to know that they're loved. Because now, no longer, instead of being short and angry and biting their head off, you're going to be pieced out. You're going to come down from your room or wherever it is, and you're going to say, now I can face this. And you're going to have a whole different spirit about you, a whole different attitude. So be a Mary. Let's purpose in our heart to be Marys. Amen? Amen. Father, we just do give you thanks. And Lord, we pray that... uh, Lord, you'd help us to be a Mary. Lord, that our relationship with you would be the most important thing out of all the tasks that we do in a day. Father, even at the expense of good things, help us to choose the best things, to be with you. Lord, I pray you'd encourage my brothers and sisters tonight and that all of us together, we would grow in this together. So Lord, bless and encourage us tonight as we go our separate ways. And Lord, we also lift up, uh, again, we want to pray for... uh, Uh, Deb and and Lydia. We pray especially for Lydia tonight, Lord, that you would be her peace, that you'd be her strength, Lord, tomorrow, 
they would see something about this young lady that they could not resist to have her in the school. If it, if it be your will, Lord, your will be done. We thank you for your goodness, that you care about all this. In Jesus' name, amen. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.